Well, this morning we are pausing our Ten Commandments series in order to consider the glorious truth Paul wrote to the Corinthians that therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And so if you have your Bibles, please uh, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and today we get to celebrate some new creations. And today we get to remember the glorious and gracious work that God has done in each of our own lives. Uh, There is a story uh, told uh, you've probably heard before uh, back in the 1800s in England with the artist uh, John Ruskin. Uh, One day a woman brought to him her most treasured, her most valuable, and her most prized handkerchief. Now, for those of you who are younger than me, and you, not, you might not be familiar with what a handkerchief is, but a handkerchief is like a Kleenex. Uh, you use it to blow your nose, only instead of throwing it away, you get to put all that disgusting stuff back into your pocket to use for a later time or to share with someone who uh, needs to get whatever sickness you have, even though you've been telling everyone it's only allergies. And so this woman, she had uh, this handkerchief, and and it was made of a really valuable and a really rare material. So we can all understand why it was a treasure to her. It was was very valuable material, and it was really more of a display handkerchief, if you've had one of those before, more of a just for display. But unfortunately, something happened where ink was spilled on this handkerchief, and and right in the middle of this beautiful, valuable, wonderful handkerchief was now this big, large blot of ink. And she tried all she could to try to scrub it out, to get it out, clean it out. She couldn't, and she's devastated. She can't display it anymore, and so she takes it to the artist John Ruskin, and what he does is he, starting with the blot of ink, he starts to add his own brushstrokes to the handkerchief and turns it into a beautiful design. And the handkerchief becomes an even more valuable, even, even more worthy of being displayed because of the beautiful design of a master artist. You see, church, we were created in the image of God, created with innate value and dignity and worth. But we all, because of our rebellion against God, had sin-stained souls. And in our own power, we've tried to clean up the mess we've made of our own lives and just found that we couldn't do it. We found our only hope was to give ourselves to Christ And to trust that he can take our sin and brokenness and he can turn our lives into a masterpiece of grace. Into a new creation. Church, this morning we celebrate with Jericho and with Addie and with Cadence. We celebrate with their families. And we celebrate what the grace of God has done in their lives. That he has, by grace through faith in Christ, made them into new creations. And so this morning, let me start by asking you this. Are you a new creation? 
Are you a masterpiece of God's grace? Have you ever trusted Christ to be your Lord and your Savior? And if you haven't, maybe, maybe today is the day. But for many of you, the question that, that is, is possibly more appropriately needs to be asked is, do you remember that you are a new creation? Do you really believe that in Christ you are a masterpiece of God's grace? I mean, think with me. What, what primarily defines your life right now? Is it the blot of ink that is on your soul that you are convinced is permanently there? Or is your life primarily defined by the grace that God is painting all over your life? What controls you? What directs you? What's your calling right now in life? All those things get off track when we forget that if, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And so that's where we are going this morning. Uh, we will first see how a new creation comes about. We will then see what a new creation is controlled by. And then finally, we'll see what a new creation is called to do. Okay, so how a new creation comes about, what a new creation is controlled by, and what a new creation is called to do. Let's pray and let's ask for the Lord's help. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word and how, Lord, you have revealed to us truth, how you've revealed to us yourself and who you are and what you are like, how you've revealed to us through it what you've done for us and what you are doing for us and what you will do for us. And so, God, we thank you that, 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 that you are not a God who is, who is so mysterious and unknown to us. But, Lord, we thank you that you have made yourself known. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would reveal to us the truth of your word and that this truth would transform us that it would awaken new life in here this morning. That it would refresh maybe new life that has grown weary this morning. We ask that your word would remind maybe the new life in here that is forgetful this morning. So we ask that you would do a great work through the preaching of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, look with me now, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You see, all the benefits and blessings that new creations receive are because we are in Christ. It's what theologians call our union with Christ. All of our fancy theological terms that we throw around, our justification, our sanctification, our reconciliation, our adoption, our future glorification, and our being part of a new creation, it all comes to us because we have been united to Christ. We are in Christ. And this is what baptism symbolizes so well, that we have been united with Christ in his life, in his death and burial, and in his resurrection. 
the life Jesus lived of righteous and perfect obedience is now our righteous life. The death Jesus died on the cross, we died with him to our sin. And when Jesus was raised to life, we also were raised to newness of life with him. We are united with Christ. And so when we baptize someone with water, we're not, we're not accomplishing this glorious reality. The, the water is not magical. No, God has given us this ordinance to point us to the greater reality of what he has already accomplished in someone's life by grace through faith in him. This is a sacred reenactment, is what we're doing. We're doing a sacred reenactment of what God has done in the heart of someone who has trusted Jesus. The message that is communicated and proclaimed in baptism is the gospel itself, that those united to Christ are reconciled to God and enter into the new creation. You see, in the Greek, this is even a more emphatic and maybe shocking verse for us. Our English translations say, he is a new creation. But in the Greek, it's much more sudden. Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, new creation. If anyone is in Christ, new creation. Paul is proclaiming that Christ has ushered in the new creation. You see, for Paul, just like the kingdom of God is an already not yet kingdom, you know, we talk about that a lot, the kingdom of God being already here, but not yet fully realized. Well, so too in Christ, the new creation is already here, but not yet fully realized. The new creation is coming. The full realization of the new heavens and the new earth, it is coming. But right now, we can already start living in the new creation by being united to Jesus. If anyone is in Christ, new creation new creation. You see, we didn't just need to, we just didn't need Christ to come and, and clean us up a little bit, just to supplement our lives, make it a little bit better, help us out a little bit. No, we needed to be made new creations. We needed to become masterpieces of his grace. Well, some of you are maybe thinking, where where is grace in this passage? We haven't read the word grace. I don't see the word grace. Well, look with me now at verse 18, 2 Corinthians 5, 18. It says, all this is from God. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, all this is from God. He is the one we sinned against. We didn't deserve to be reconciled and made new creations. And yet he was the one who initiated all this. All this is from God. Look at all the good things in your life. Look at all the things in your life. All this is from God. He is the one who has given us the ability to believe and trust him. He's the one who's given us an awareness of our sin and convicts us of the ways that are not of him. You see, we live in a world that believes in karma, and we all too often believe it as well, that we get what we deserve. That if we are in Christ and have become new creations, well, then we must have done something to deserve that. 
But church, that's not how the new creation comes about. I love John Wesley's comment on this verse. We'll have it up on the screen. He says, only the power that makes a world can make a Christian. Only the power that makes a world can make a Christian. All this is from God. All this is from God. Later, if you look back in 2 Corinthians, if you skip ahead in your Bibles to chapter 6, verse 1, He'll say, working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. You see, this is grace. This is all from God. This is all undeserved favor. The new creation comes about by grace. That's point number one. If you're taking notes, the new creation comes about by grace. And then look at this grace, this undeserved favor in verse 19 of 2 Corinthians 5, 19. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Do you see the grace of God there? That for those who are in Christ, God chooses to not count our sins against us. He's not blind to our sin. He's not naive about it or ignorant of it. He's fully aware of our sin. And yet for new creations, he chooses to not count our sins against us. Church, this is how a new creation comes about. A new creation comes about by the grace of God. And therefore, a new creation is no longer defined by the sin that they have committed or the sin that has been committed against them. That no longer has to define a new creation. A new creation is no longer defined by the sin they have committed or the sin that has been committed against them. That's old world stuff. But instead, a new creation is defined by the grace that God has shown to them. A new creation comes about by grace, and a new creation is now defined by grace. And so when we celebrate someone coming to faith in Christ, we are not celebrating how awesome they are, even if they are awesome. We've got three girls this morning who are awesome. But that's not primarily what we're celebrating this morning. When someone comes to faith in Christ, we're not celebrating how smart they are or how smart they were in figuring out the way to life. We're not celebrating how good they are or how obedient they are. No, we are celebrating the grace that God has shown to them. We're celebrating the grace that God has poured out on them. We're celebrating the masterpiece of grace that God is painting all in their life. And so one of the ways we remember that in Christ we are new creations is we celebrate the grace that God has shown to us. This is how we remember. This is how we remind one another that in Christ we are new creations. We do that by celebrating the grace that God has shown to us. But not only do we celebrate the grace he has shown to us in our past, we also celebrate the grace that God is showing to us right now. 
And not only do we celebrate the grace that God has shown to us and the grace that God is showing us, but we celebrate the grace that God will continue to show us both now and forever because we are in Christ, you see. We are masterpieces of his grace, past, present, and future. Church, are you celebrating in your heart the grace that God shows you? are you? If you're remembering that you're a new, new creation, you will be, and you'll remember you're a new creation when you do this, when you celebrate the grace that God has shown you. Are you doing this? Are you celebrating the grace of God in your life? Now, this is actually fairly easy to diagnose and figure out if you are or not. The Puritan Thomas Watson once said, when the truth of grace is in the heart the beauty of grace is seen in the walk. You see, you can figure out if you're really celebrating the grace of God in your heart by how much grace you are extending to others. The grace we extend to others is the overflowing celebration of a heart that is overwhelmed by the grace that God has shown to them. Are you celebrating God's grace? Are you extending it to others? Is your heart overflowing with this celebration of grace so much so that you just can't help but spill out grace onto all those that are around you? A new creation comes about by God's grace. But what is a new creation controlled by? The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. What is a new creation now controlled by? Look with me now at verses 14 and 15. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. We talked about this some last week when we addressed the sixth commandment. We talked about murder and anger and hatred. It was a very positive and encouraging message last week. Some of you maybe were upset by it and you haven't seen the, the humor in that yet. But I emphasized last week that, that this point that while anger, it might be a normal reaction we all have and a normal response we all have when something's not right in the world or something's not right in our heart. Anger is something we experience and feel. But we talked about how anger is not the, the God's long-term fuel for your life. It's not what we're supposed to be burning on, the kindling of anger that rises up in our heart. No, new creations, it's not their anger that controls them and compels them forward. No, it is the love of Christ. It's the love of Christ. But not only is a new creation not controlled by their anger, but instead the love of Christ, they are also controlled by the love of Christ instead of a love for self. Look at verse 15. And he died for all. Why? That those who live might no longer live for themselves, 
but for him who for their sake died and was raised. God knows how life works best. He designed us. He knows us better than we know us. And it seems pretty important to him that one of the reasons he died was to free us from being enslaved to this love of self. He died that those who live might no longer live for themselves. You see, when someone encounters the grace of God, their loves are reordered. And they realize that Christ is the center of the universe and that our entire lives must revolve around him. You see, in the old ways, in the old ways, life was all about us. We were at the center. We were the main characters of the story, and everyone else was just kind of in a supporting role. Extras on the set, so to speak. And sadly, this causes us then to not take risks, to be selfish, to be self-righteous, to be stingy, to be anxious. And ultimately, it makes us miserable as our egos have become too inflated or our pride has become too wounded to be able to properly live in the new creation with Christ. Because in the new heavens and the new earth, Christ is the center. And when someone comes to faith in Christ, they enter into that new creation. Jesus is now the center of their lives, not themselves. A Copernicus revolution happens in the life of a new creation. You guys know Copernicus? Among the first to understand the earth was not the center of the solar system, but instead the sun. When someone comes to faith in Christ and they enter into the already not yet creation, life stops revolving around themselves, and it now starts revolving around the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Jesus died so that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him. I mean, it's miserable to live for yourself. You were not created and designed to do that. It's truly an unnatural thing. You were created and recreated to live for Jesus. But some of you, every, everything in life is breaking down because you have put yourself at the center. You've made your marriage all about you. You've made your work all about you. You've made your kids all about you. You've made this church all about you. You've made your city group all about you. You've made your relationships all about you. You've made your finances all about you. You've made your retirement all about you. You've made your health all about you. Church, the old has passed away. It's dead. Behold, the new has come. Christ is now the center of everything in the new creation. And Jericho and Addie, where's Addie? Addie, Cadence, you will experience so much more joy in life. You will experience so much more joy as a new creation 
the sooner you embrace that truth that life does not revolve around you, but your life now revolves around Jesus. Someone who is not celebrating the grace of God, someone who is not experiencing the joy of being controlled by the love of Christ, they can't, they can't fathom this Copernicus revolution. Because doesn't someone need to be looking out for them? What about them? Is it, who's looking out for them? Why, why shouldn't they be at the center? But you see, when you are all about advocating for yourself and looking out for yourself and making yourself the center of everything, you show you show that you're not really believing that God has got you. Church, trust Christ. God has got you. He's got you. Whatever that is not working well in your life right now, the brokenness that is present is likely because Christ is not at the center of it, for he holds all things together. Who or what is controlling your life right now? Is it the love of Christ? A new creation is controlled and compelled by the love of Christ. So, so far we've seen new creations that come about by God's grace. They are controlled by the love of Christ. But what are they called to do? Look with me now at verse 18. 2 Corinthians 5:18 All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation verse 20 Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ God making his appeal through us we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see what new creations are now called to do? They are called to be ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador represents their home country while living in a foreign country. Ambassadors for Christ are citizens of the new creation operating out of the embassy called the local church, living in the midst of an old world. Ambassadors for Christ are called to go out into the old world and represent Christ and the new creation to others and allow God to make his appeal through us. And what are we appealing and imploring people to do? That they would be reconciled to God. Jericho and Addie and Cadence, this is one of the first opportunities you have to stand before people and proclaim that Jesus is your Savior, that Jesus is Lord, to be an ambassador for Christ. By, by stepping forward and sharing your story, you're, you're encouraging the rest of us to be reconciled to God and, and to either become a new creation or remember that we are a new creation. But even though this is your first, one of your first opportunities you have to be an ambassador for Christ, it will not be your last. 
Because from this day forth, wherever you go and whatever you do, you will represent Christ to the world. And I'm excited for how God is going to use you three, both now and into the future. Church, it is, it is impossible to come to this church and get to know these young people and not be excited about the future of the world. We've got some really wonderful, great ambassadors for Christ that are getting discipled and trained and ready to sent, be sent out. New creations are called to be ambassadors for Christ. And I believe that as a, as a church, this is, this is where the Lord is leading us in this next, this next season of our, of our church life. That this needs to be something we're more prayerful, more intentional, more intentional about. We must, for the love of our city and our world, we must be more intentional at being ambassadors for Christ. And the Lord has been putting a greater burden on my heart to be praying for the unbelieving friends and neighbors and family that, that is around me. We've been hearing stories and, and sharing amongst people in our church of the opportunities God is opening up to be ambassadors for Christ. I shared with you last week a little bit about the open door at the college this, this fall semester that's going to be happening the women's retreat, this is something that the Lord's been stirring in our women about getting together at the retreat and helping one another learn how to, how to be witnesses of God's grace to, to one another and to the world around them. And so I believe we, we will need to keep the baptismal close and at hand in this next season of our church. That as we are prayerful and intentional and looking to be ambassadors for Christ, that there are many more in this city who have never called on the name of the Lord, but they're coming. But they're coming. How might God be calling you today to be an ambassador for Christ? What unique opportunities has he given you that he hasn't given really anyone else in this church to be an ambassador for Christ? Maybe you've been at your work or in your neighborhood or in your, on your sports team or in your class and you've been looking around just hoping that God would someday send an ambassador of Christ to this place. And then in God's providence, you're here this morning and you hear that, no, you are to be an ambassador for Christ. And God desires to make his appeal through you for people to be reconciled to him. Church, if anyone is in Christ, new creation. New creation. The new creation has all, is already here, but not yet fully realized. And as we celebrate these baptisms this, mor this morning, may we be reminded that through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the new creation has bloomed in this world and already begun. It has begun in you, and it has begun in me, and this morning we celebrate it has begun in three more. Today we remember that the new creation comes about all by God's grace, all by God's grace. May we celebrate the grace of God in our lives today, for in Christ we are masterpieces of grace. 
We are no longer defined by the sin we have committed. We are no longer defined by the sin that has been committed against us. No, we are defined by the grace that God has poured out on us. Do you believe that? Do you see how gracious God has been with you? Are you celebrating that? And is it overflowing and being extended to others? Today, we also remember that the new creation is controlled by the love of Christ, not love of self. Christ is the center, not you and not me. Is Christ what everything in your life is revolving around? And today, we also remember the new creations are called to go and be ambassadors for Christ. We are called to go and implore people on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God, to share with them the glorious news of the gospel, that for our sake, Jesus, who knew no sin, took our sin upon himself. He died, and three days later, he rose from the dead so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, new creation, new creation. Let's pray.